0: Welcome to the Data Bites podcast by Women in Data, where we give you your weekly bite-sized dose of career development advice, industry case studies, and career stories to help you excel in your data career. Today, I'm happy to welcome to the show, Jamie Martin. Jamie is a life and leadership coach who helps people find themselves again. has worked at companies such as Google, DoubleClick, and enjoys working with women in technology to own their voice and build a career they want without sacrificing their lives. These are all topics I love and have a lot of questions about. So welcome to the show, Jamie. I'm looking forward to the conversation.
1: Thank you, Sadie. I'm excited about being here and looking forward to really diving deep into whatever you bring to the table today.
0: Yeah. So I want to first start off with just getting your perspective on what authentic leadership is. I think these are two big words that get thrown around a lot of the importance of leadership, Um, being authentic, being authentic on social media and all these things. So I'd love to know your perspective about what does authentic leadership mean and look like to you?
1: Yeah, definitely. And I'm glad you pointed out that it's things that get thrown away, thrown around. You know, I think that there's a lot of terms out there that we hear and we look at and go, huh, why are you saying that? That doesn't match you. Um, Right. And, And that's, and I say that because that's exactly what authentic leadership is. It should match you. So if you said I am, I exhibit servant leadership, somebody shouldn't actually have to hear you say that to know that that's the type of leader you are, right? And um, or if you ascribe to a different type of leadership, right? You could you can you could create your own name for your leadership style. Maybe it's a melding between command and control, which can have a place at points, and servant leader, right? But it's really about authentic leadership to me is really about being true to your values as a leader and guiding and being that for other people, right? And so instead of looking at a leader that you believe is a good leader and following their traits and following their path forward. It's like saying, okay, but that doesn't feel right to me, you know, and I don't see any other leadership books saying I should do it this way, even though that's what my heart says, lean into your heart, because your heart's going to guide you towards what is true to you and how you want to be present for other people. Um, and leadership to me is really about, I mean, I'm going to backtrack a little bit. I think leadership means different things for everybody, right? And it's very important as a leader to know what your definition is. And so a lot of people attribute it to title, right? I, I have to have a title to be a leader. And I'm a firm believer, believer of that. A leader is somebody who shows up, supports, guides, and inspires. I love that. So, That's a way to move forward, regardless of what your title is.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I really love that you mentioned about finding your values first and crafting your leadership style to your values. So I went on a journey a couple months ago, diving into tons of leadership books, and it was fantastic. But I came away a little bit like confused, maybe feeling discouraged because they all have their own leadership style, right? In those books. And sometimes I'm like, am I doing a disservice by this? And I found a book mm-hmm. called The Blueprint, which it's really more of like journaling prompts and you go through it and you write out your values and you craft your own leadership journey. And that for me, it kind of then just threw everything else out and was like, okay, I got my blueprint and this is what I need. And it really helped shape me into what I felt was like becoming a true leader. And as you stated, it's really stepping into your own values and power through your own authentic leadership.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I I would say it's also being able to, when you know that, that's when when somebody challenges you as a leader, you stay present to it. Mm -hmm. Right. So now that you've got this blueprint and your values really clear, you're able to sit in that even when challenged. It's going to take practice, but it's one of those where it's like, no, this is my truth. And that's what's really key in leadership is being having the comfortability of being uncomfortable when challenged about how you proceed with things.
0: Yeah, that's an excellent point. I love that. You mentioned that there are going to be times you're confronted, right? And maybe there are times you're standing alone. So the only thing that's really going to keep you in that steadfast place is knowing that it's true to you. So such a great point there. I'd love to talk then about what this journey looks like into authentic leadership. So obviously it's rooted in your own values, but are there common stages you see people go through and how do you recommend either people get started or take their leadership journey to the next level.
1: Yeah, definitely. I would say there isn't a commonality because we are all coming from very different places, mm-hmm. right? So some people already have a, an intuitive sense as to who they are as a leader, but they don't necessarily know how to point to it, right? So they just embody it. I'm, I'm a perfect example, right? I have always been a servant leader, but it wasn't until a boss of mine 15 years into my career, said, Well, it was probably a little less than that, said, Jamie, you're a servant leader. And I was like, What are you talking about? You know, and that having that label actually allowed me to lean into it even more because I was able to go, Oh, so that's what I've been doing. And this is how I grow in that direction. Now, you don't have to have a label. I don't want to get anybody misconstrued. You don't have to have a label to, to level up. Okay. But it worked for me, right? It helped me kind of identify and pinpoint. But I would say when it comes to leadership, it's first identifying really listening, starting to listen to your intuition. And that's harder than it sounds to do. But it's giving yourself that space to start really listening to like what we talked about, your values. What's worth standing for? What are you willing to stand for? Um, And that's when you get to start practicing it. You get to start practicing who are you being within wherever you are right so for example for me i have always valued making sure that people get the term is a it's not the right term but a fair fair stance so to speak mm-hmm. so a great example is i was at a company that i had just started at and the coo was blasting a partner company a company of ours internally mm-hmm. and i had been working with this partner company and i was like that's not right. That's not how this has gone down. And in fact, we are more at fault than they were. Now I could have sat back and been quiet, Mm -hmm. but I chose to say, wait a second, you are wrong. You know, because I value making sure that voices that are not at the table and are being confronted get heard. Mm -hmm. I also value making sure that the truth is told. And so if the truth isn't being told, at least, you know, my version of the truth, um, (laughs) I'm going to bring that forward, right? And so that's where you start to get to practice your leadership is being able to hold that space. Now, it's risky because I was actually, I came out of that conversation. I went to my mentor. I told him about it. He's like, oh, you're going to get your pink slip. Because this COO that was his a- MO, anytime challenged, it was like, you're out the door. Mm. I mean, fast forward five years, I was still at the company. <laughs> um, so inherently, we feel that risk, mm-hmm. but oftentimes it doesn't actually transpire.
0: Yeah, I really appreciate you providing such a detailed example because I think, if, you know, even things such as values and standing in your truth can become abstract. And so knowing that you identified, you know, speaking up for voices that aren't in a room is a key value to yours. And how, when you're confronted with something that's difficult, knowing, Hey, if you speak up to this person, you have a record and a chance for getting fired. I mean, that's a big deal. It's more than just, Hey, my job, it's your livelihood. And to know that your values can be that strong where you're even able to stand in that place of strength when a lot is at risk, it's really powerful.
1: Oh yeah, and that's that's where leadership meets the the rubber, right? Mm-hmm. That's really where it connects is being able to own that and still do it right. That's I think where when we talk about leadership and, and practicing your leadership, it's being able to get into that uncomfortable zone, comfortable zone, and being in that space. Um, and so I would say that that's really where you need to, the key to up-leveling leadership is, is start practicing. And you don't have to go to the point of actually practicing, potentially getting fired, right? <laughs> but putting yourself into the, okay, this is, this is these are the things that are true to me and that I value. So, you know, the I gave those two examples, but your truth might be, I really want to raise all the people on my team. Mm-hmm. So how do I lift them all up? Okay. So how do you practice that? Look for ways to look around and say, well, who's struggling the most? And how do we as a team rally around that? Right? So that's a way to practice and uplevel your leadership, even without a title.
0: Yep. I love that. I am a firm believer that leadership is not associated with the title at all. Um, It's really about the impact that we have and the people who trust us and the followers. So I yeah, yeah. really appreciate you pointing that out, but talking, it's about...
1: also not, a... Oh, go ahead. <laughs> Sorry. I was going to say, it's also not about how you dress. Cause <laughs> I, I, I keep seeing these articles about like, you need to dress for success. I, you know, and, and this is part of the authentic, authentic piece of it. Show up as you. Mm-hmm. Like if you're cut off and cut off jeans person and a hoodie, Show up as that person because that it's the energy where you're most comfortable and that you can shine in versus putting something on that doesn't feel right.
0: Yeah, that's so important. I have been confronted so many times in my life regarding the dress aspect. And I think it's very applicable to women, right? But being someone who loves fashion and loves bright colors working in technology was always a struggle for me in the dress aspect. Cause I, my look did not fit in with, you know, tech t-shirts and jeans and, and, and um, I don't know, Converse. Right. So for yeah. me that I can specifically remember times that I got a new job and was like, okay, should I not wear this? And it was like, no, like you cannot stop being who you are. Like They did not hire you because you wear a tech vest. They hired you because of your skills and those will shine through no matter what, you know, you're wearing.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. And I applaud you for that because I think it's so easy for us to end up in places where our fashion misaligns. Mm -hmm. So I had the reverse because even though I was in tech, I was in the advertising space. Mm -hmm. And so you had an element of the fashion forward. Yeah, <laughs> you know, forward floors. And then you had the tech floors. And for me, I was sitting in between going, huh, where do I fall? And I finally was like, forget it. I'm just gonna, who, who, one day I might dress up. One day I might be in a hoodie. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just gonna show up the way I want to and, and who I am so that I show up in that way. And that's, that's great that you were able to look at it and say, I love fashion. That's just part of who I am. And in this space where people don't necessarily appreciate fashion, they're going to appreciate me. Mm-hmm.
0: Definitely. Yeah. So talking about how this, obviously the dressing may be felt by women a little bit more, but would love to know if you think women face different challenges in leadership than men do and how do those start to take effect?
1: Yeah, I think, I think where our biggest challenge is is that we're still looking for role models, Mm -hmm. right? Men have always had some semblance of role models. Whether or not we want to define, like we can argue till we're blue in the face whether or not somebody really is a role model or not, right, Mm -hmm. in terms of leadership. But they've had somebody to point to and say, you know what, that's somebody I want to emulate. Women were, were just breaking through to that place where we can start to actually name names. Yep. But the hard part is, is that oftentimes those women had to do it on their own and never really looked at who they were emulating. Mm -hmm. And so unfortunately we defaulted. Like if you think about the the women who broke into the eighties, they wore the suit. Why did they, they wear the suit? It was because that's what men did, right? And so oftentimes women leaders accidentally defaulted into what a male leader would do because we hadn't had the chance to really explore and see what is it like to be a female in business. Mm -hmm. And so that I think is the biggest challenge is that right now we're in the growing phase and we've finally gotten to the place where it's like we can be intentional about how we want to be as leaders Mm -hmm. and create and step into the role model role that we so desire by doing it ourselves, but that's the biggest challenge, right? Is having the courage to step into this, knowing that there may not be anybody else around us who is going to do the same thing, right? Or you're the first one in your business to stand in that kind of place of leadership. So that I think is the biggest difference between men and women in terms of how we do leadership um, or how we grow into leaders. What I will say is men are being challenged now also. Mm -hmm. And so the definition of leader has been challenged and especially with COVID, how we're approaching problems is being challenged. And so gender wise, we are all on the same page as to rethinking what it looks like to be a leader. Yeah,
0: so when we rethink this, it sounds a lot of it is all about stepping in and finding your own voice and leaning into your own values. We're all redefining this. What's the best way we go about finding our own voice and finding what's true to us so that we can, in a way, be our own example and our own mentor that we're living up to?
1: So I would say the biggest piece is slowing down enough to feel into how things are progressing in your life. So you instinctively have a a reaction to when something happens. Now, what we want to do is be able to slow down enough to actually say, oh, what was that reaction? Mm, That didn't align with who I am. So, for example, I've started writing emails and and paused at the end of it and went, oh, no, that's not really what I want to say because <laughs> that's not actually who I am. That's a persona of me, right, that's going out and, do, like, behaving a certain way. And so I've stepped back and erased the whole thing and, and then tapped right back into, oh, okay, this is what I want to bring to this e- email. So it's really taking that action of pausing and feeling in to, does this feel like it's who I am? Or did my gut just do a jump? Because it was it was like, this is not aligned with your values. Now, there is a clear distinction between your gut reaction saying this is not aligned with who I am and my values and fear. Mm. Right? Because sometimes we are afraid to do what's true. And so having that practice of pausing allows you to start to differenti- differentiate between the two.
0: Yeah, this is a continual practice for me, the the pausing, slowing down. Um, but when I do, I see amazing results. And I think it has to be a continual practice for all of us. I love how you provide the example of just the email as an applicable basis. But more importantly, I mean, Work is happening so fast in this digital space. We can connect with anyone from anywhere in the world. Um, we're getting messages on our phones. There's a million chat lines, emails, right? So there's a lot of things coming to us in the work world right now. And I think it's just so important to remember that, like, hey, you're in the driver's seat. You can pause things for a minute. Just because you got that email doesn't mean you have to respond to it right now, right? Maybe even write a draft, don't send it and come back later, just because you got that message on Slack or Teams. Like no one said that, hey, it has to be responded to right now. So taking that time to slow down is just like so essential um, to stepping into your authentic voice.
1: Oh, completely, completely. And And I would say for people who are uncomfortable with that because they feel like they've built a habit of rapid response. The practice is really saying, Hey, I'm not going to get like respond, but you simply say, I'm going to be able to look at this tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's, it's about being intentional and, and letting somebody else know, know that on the other side you saw it, but here's, here's your priorities. Right. They don't need to know the priorities unless it's your boss, but like, yeah. right. Hey, I, I acknowledge this. I, I will send it to, tomorrow because, because we are in that rapid place not all of us have been in the practice of pausing and we've set it's hard to shift other people along with us
0: mm-hmm. and
1: so sometimes we have to acknowledge and let them in on what the shift is we're doing to a certain degree right yep. so that's why I said like hey I'm not, just so you know I got your email I'm going to respond thoroughly tomorrow Yep. They don't have to know that I'm practicing my leadership and pausing, <laughs> right? They don't need to know that piece of it.
0: No, that's a great suggestion. Um, so talking about shifting, you've shifted your career quite a bit. Um, having worked in, you know, operations engineering, product manager at Google, senior director, right? What made you decide to take? this career shift? We'd love to dive into your story a little bit
1: more. Yeah, definitely. So being an engineer, I, I've always had an engineering mindset. Like I was the person who would tap on my mom on the shoulder and be like, how does the escalator work? And I would look at all the gears, right? Mm-hmm. It wasn't It wasn't that I wanted her to tell me, well, it moves this way. It was like, no, no, I want you to get into the machine and show me how it works, right? Um, so I always knew I wanted to be an engineer. On, I shouldn't say always. As a high school student, I knew I wanted to be an engineer. (laughs) Um, And so I dove into that. And then, of course, technology was blowing up when I graduated. So I leaned into the software side of things. What I found early on was that the biggest thing that I wanted to do was solve the problems for people within technology. And so that's what led me to product is really diving into that user experience. How do you move things forward? Um, and so one thing I found is though that I had this tug towards doing that at a bigger scale, helping people and partnering with them at a a different different level than what I was doing with technology. Um and that pool kept pull like throughout my career kept tugging at me. When I started management, it really started shining through because I leaned into as being a coach as a manager versus being a manager, right? Mm-hmm. Your stereotypical manager who just looks at projects. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that piece of me really started coming to, to life. And I knew, I knew somebody who was a coach at that point. She had been a coach for probably 15 years at that point. And it was a dear friend of my mom's. And so every few years I'd call her up and say, okay, tell me about this coaching thing. Tell me about this coaching thing. But I never committed to it you know, part of me was still pulled towards technology and being like, I think I can do something here. I think I can do something here. And it wasn't until a few years ago when I got to the VP of product at my last company and I looked around and realized that I wasn't able to make the impact that I wanted to make in an organization because of how things run in organizations. It was like, what I needed, what I just so desired doing, I was doing 10% of the time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's really what led me to sit down with my husband who, who was like, Jamie, you're miserable. I was <laughs> like, I know I am. I know I am. He's like, and you've been miserable for a very long time, <laughs> you know, and you've done technology because for a long time it was, I, I, I didn't feel finished with it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right, I felt like there there was still a sweet spot that I could I could find a sweet spot for myself in the technology space that would allow me to really do I love the digging into things with with people you know finding out what their what is really their problem um, and product management is a good a good example of how that can be in the right organization most product managers they love that conversation they don't get to do it. That often, um, and so that's what I found is that I tried that hat on in a lo- lot of different organizations. Got to the VP level, really worked to build a culture around that. Mm-hmm. But CEOs like to have big splashy press releases, and oftentimes when you actually di- dive into client conversations, what they're looking for is not big splashy press releases. Um and so for me that really set back into the well how do i help people and i loved working with my team on what's next for them i loved interviewing people for jobs and finding out what they actually wanted out of life and guiding them even if they weren't the right fit for our role being like hey how can i help you and so i finally made the jump into to life and leadership coaching because I knew that was a place that I could do that and I could do it one-on-one with the intention around this is what we're doing. So that was a, a long answer to, to your question.
0: <laughs> no, I, there's some points of your story I very much relate to. I think our partners are always really good at you know, providing us insight to when we may be miserable and we know it, but just haven't fully admitted it to ourselves. So there's yes. been a couple times where my fiance has been like, are you sure you're really happy here? Cause it seems like doing these other things are what make you happy. So, you know, appreciate the partnership and nudge there. And then really love how you got clear on what is it that brings you joy, right? And not what is it, that brings me success because obviously you were very successful in your career, but we're like, Hey, it's these parts of my job that I really love and I'm only doing 10% of it. So how do I make it a hundred percent of my job?
1: Right. Definitely. And that, that, the best question I can give anybody who's in that space right now, and I got it from my boss, my old boss, um, and longtime mentor. And he said, When you walk out of the office on a day where you are just flying high because it was the best day of your life at work, what did you do? And then do the reverse. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: It was the worst day of your life. What were you doing? And that will start to show you where, what you like, what are the things that bring you that joy? Um, And that's when you can start leaning into them.
0: Yeah, that's a great tip. And so I'm a big data person, obviously. And I'm a big journaler. So if I don't know the answer to that question right away, times in my life where I'm confused or like, ah, I don't really know where I should go, I'll go back through and read through my journals and find those times of like, this was an awesome day at work or this was the worst day ever and find those pieces of insight to know, okay. These are continual patterns over time, Sadie, for you, that no matter what, right, the form of how they take shape may change, but the values and the core of it are steady. Like, how are you not leaning into that right now? And how do we add more of that in your life? So for all the data people out there, it's a great exercise to get some data on yourself.
1: (laughs) For sure. And even if, if you're somebody who doesn't journal, even just writing down at the end of the day, Three things you loved, three things you hated about your day over time, especially Mm -hmm. for the data people. Because in a month, you're going to have a lot of information.
0: Oh, I love that. That's such a great, great tip. Super simple to do. And then how fun to analyze at the end to see what what rises to the top. Top three. So this has been a fantastic conversation. I know it really inspired me to Dive back into my values. Make sure I slow things down. Make sure that I'm doing the things that bring me the most joy. Um, if people want to connect with you and work with you in coaching, or just stay more up to date in what you're doing, what's the best way for them to do that?
1: So I would say it's either LinkedIn or Instagram. So LinkedIn, it's simply Jamie Martin. Mm-hmm. You know, you can find me there. Um, I believe it. You may have to sort through a few people, but if you put coaching in there, you should find me. And then Instagram, it's Jamie Martin Coaching. Those are the best places to find me. And then finally, my website, um, where you can also access all of that. And that's I, I kept it really simple. Dub dub dub, coaching.com.
0: I love it. Perfect. Well, we'll add all yeah. those links in the show notes. Um, Thank you again for coming on. This was very encouraging and inspiring for me today. And I know our listeners
1: um, enjoyed it as well. Awesome. Thank you for having me.
0: All right, everybody. Well, I'm signing off today. Remember to keep learning and stay curious. And we will talk soon. If you're looking for more resources to further your data career or find your tribe, we encourage you to become a member at womenindata.org. See you on the other side.